to the Prophecy Club. Let me give you a little history for our new listeners out there. Prophecy Club actually started in 1993. It's been around about 28 years. And for the first 25 years, we used to make VCR tapes of speaker talks. And of course, it graduated into DVDs. We actually made 330 recordings. Awesome. From 160 guest speakers. And in many cases, the topics were ahead of their time. But due to change in technology, we no longer make DVDs. Instead, I simply record them and post them on the Internet. However, we have posted around 300 of these on the website, watchprophecyclub.com, which, of course, you can view for a gift of $20 a month. But the best deal is $200 a year. It's about $6,000 worth of recordings at your fingertips anytime you want. That is, until the Internet can't be accessed unless you have the Mark of the Beast or something like that. But nevertheless, you can still get the DVDs at prophecyclub.com. Now, I say all that to say this. In June of 2005, I invited Bill Sneblin in to make a DVD talking about Scalar Wave. The name of the DVD is called Secret Weapons to Defeat America. Now, get this. we got a really good deal for you. You can now go to watchprophecyclub.com. And we've made the first 30 minutes of the DVD available to you there to watch for free. And if you like it, then you can sign up and watch all of the DVDs for, again, $20 a month or $200 a year. The name is called Secret Weapons to Defeat America by Bill Sneblin. Bill reveals technology that the Russians have that can knock out anything on the land, on the sea, under the sea, or in the air, any place on the globe, with little to no trace of who did it. See, Scalar Wave can render all conventional weapons of war obsolete against the Soviet energetic weapons. Scalar Waves has challenged how war is conducted. Scalar Wave, you see, does not travel like radar from point A to point B. Instead, it is interdimensional, as he will explain. It leaves A and it arrives at sea without a trace. It is believed that it's what took out the Thresher submarine in the 60s and the Challenger. It is also believed to be able to kill large amounts of birds in flight, dead before they hit the ground. Likewise, fish in water or sea with no trace of cause. The only way they can tell it's even been used is the birds simply leave the area. It is also believed to be what took out Gary Powers and the U-2 spy plane over Russia back in the 60s. They can make large portions of the atmosphere very, very cold, creating massive cold storms, or superheat, creating massive droughts or heat waves. And it is also believed that they can create sparks out of thin air, as in starting forest fires. It is also believed to be the cause of many of the superheat or super cold storms hitting America for the last 20 years. It is the perfect weapon because it can't be proven that it was even used, much less by who. It can act like an umbrella protecting a city or an entire country from all incoming aerial or water attacks. I play it because, as you know, Texas just got hit with an amazing ice storm I was raised in Texas. I have never seen zero temperatures in Texas my entire life. But, but we just saw it. 
I can't prove, and that's one of the beautiful parts of this, I can't prove it was scalar wave, but I certainly suspect it. And I also suspect that that's the reason all of our electricity went off. I suspect it was a shot across the bow saying, don't come after us, don't arrest us, because we can do some amazing bad things. It's a threat, in my opinion. Russia's secret weapon to defeat America by Bill Sneblin. A gentleman by the name of E.T. Whitaker, way back in 1903 and 04, wrote papers beginning the ideas of energy from the vacuum and scalar interferometry. Now, that's 100 years ago, folks, more than 100 years ago. This, these ideas have been out there, but this guy was regarded as a heretic. And so was the next gentleman we're going to mention. I've already mentioned his name, Nikola Tesla. This man was probably one of the greatest scientists of the 20th century and also one of the very least appreciated. He was decades, if not centuries, ahead of his time. He was a Serb, born in 1856, and even in, at a young age, he distinguished himself as very brilliant. For example, in school, they thought he was cheating because he could do integral calculus in his head. Now, I'll tell you, folks, I don't exactly even know what integral calculus is. I know I, in college, I flunked out of the class that I was taking in, in that subject. So this guy is obviously, you know, smarter than six different humans. Uh, anyway, at age 24, he developed the plans for what would become, six years later, the world's first induction engine. That's a technological advance that would change the world of elect electricity. He also came up with the idea for an AC or alternating current motor. Nowadays, basically every, everything that almost everybody uses is AC current. This guy was decades ahead of his time. Uh, he had discovered and was using a new type of electrical wave. He repeatedly stated that his waves were non-Hertzian and his wireless transmissions did not fall off as a square of the distance. Now what does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that like if you're driving in your car and you're listening to the Prophecy Club on the, your favorite Christian station, okay, and if you're getting, driving away from the radio station, what happens? You start losing the signal. You start getting static, and then finally there's nothing left. That's because radio, regular radio, radio waves fall off as the square of the distance. His waves don't do that. His discovery was apparently so fundamental and his intent to provide free energy to all mankind was so clear that it was responsible for the withdrawal of his financial backing, his deliberate isolation, and the gradual removal of his name from all of the history books. So in other words, this guy went down the memory hole because his great dream, he had two great dreams. One was to produce free electricity for everyone. He arrived in 1928 in New York City. He had only four cents in his pocket and some of his mathematical equations. He also had a letter of introduction that would enable him to meet the master of electricity, Thomas Alva Edison. I tell you, I would have liked to have been in that meeting. I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall. But anyway, when he met with Edison, he tried to convince him to use AC power. Now, Edison was running on DC current, and he saw AC power as a competition. DC means direct current. So... Edison did what everybody did in this situation. He hired the guy hoping to co-opt him. Well, that didn't work. Tesla was too noble for that. And Tesla soon resigned from Edison's company and eventually managed to get financing to start his own. He then developed the principles for AC power generation and transmission that are now used all over the world. 
Fortunately, I'm sure many of you have Westinghouse appliances, you know, something like that. The guy who started that company, George Westinghouse, believed in Tesla and helped setting, financing him. Here, for example, is a photo of Tesla. He's a gentleman on your right explaining uh, his model of a rotating magnetic field to Westinghouse engineers. Uh, here's the deal. Finally, with Westinghouse's help, Tesla built his power station in Niagara Falls. Uh, but Edison wasn't going to let this happen. And so he used dirty tricks. He used marketing wars. He used everything he could to try and destroy um, Tesla and Westinghouse's work. And at the same time, in comes J.P. Morgan. Now, J.P. Morgan was the consummate bankster of his generation. This guy was like the most powerful man in America, economically and politically. And he, he, he's the guy who helped put together the Federal Reserve, by the way. Just so you know, he was kind of a skunk. And anyway, he weighed in with Edison and joined forces with Edison, and they just started to squeeze Westinghouse. And in order to save Westinghouse, Tesla graciously gave up his rights and all of his royalties, the inventions that he achieved under Westinghouse, and backed out of the company. So that's the kind of guy he was. He was very altruistic, very generous, very noble. Some people would say very stupid, but he was very smart about electricity. Look at some of the stuff he achieved. He developed neon and fluorescent lights. He explored high-frequency electricity. In 1891, he patented the Tesla coil, which is really now the only thing you'll ever read about in history books about Tesla is that he invented the Tesla coil, and that was probably the least of his achievements. In 1890, he developed short-range wireless power, and he was on his way to building the radio. He had developed the ability to send out radio waves and he was about to test those waves with uh, transmission 50 miles away to West Point, New York. Unfortunately, there was a mysterious building fire and it destroyed his work and that really slowed him down. And so along comes Guglielmo Marconi who instead got to the patent office first and he is the one who's credited in the history books with inventing the radio. He came up with more amazing inventions. In 1898, he came up with the world's first remote-controlled boat. It was equipped with what he called a borrowed mind, and that was the birth of robotics. He worked to develop broadcast power through the air. In other words, just in the last 10 or 15 years, we've gotten to the point that we can send, like we can have wireless mics and wireless other things, and now we even have wireless Internet connections. Well, he was doing that a century ago. In Tesla, in, in public, I'm sorry, Tesla speculated about ways to use electricity to control the weather. And this is where we start moving into the scalar dimension. He also believed one could draw energy from the Earth itself to achieve virtually infinite electrical power. And his dream was to have a little box, not much bigger than a bread box, that he could, you could put in any house in America, and that that would draw power from the Earth and give every home in America free electricity. He said this to J.P. Morgan, When wireless is fully applied, the Earth will be converted into a huge brain capable of response in every one of its parts. No wonder J.P. Morgan was scared of him. During World War I, Tesla conceived what would become radar, but could not get the financing to develop it, because all of these people were telling everyone he was a nut. He, was also, he also warned about what would become V-2 rockets and guided missiles. In 1931, Tesla told the press he was on the way to developing an entirely new source of energy from a new and unexpected source. 1934 New York Times headline. 
Tesla at 78 bears new death beam. The article reported that the new invention will send concentrated beams of particles through the free air of such tremendous energy that they will bring down a fleet of 10,000 enemy airplanes at a distance of 250 miles. Tesla stated the death beam would make war impossible by offering every country an invisible Chinese wall. That was his utter dream. He wanted to stop war because he'd seen what happened in his own homeland with war. And he, what he wanted to do was give every country this invisible shield that would prevent it from being invaded or attacked by enemy aircraft. What set Tesla's proposal apart from the usual run of fantasy death rays was his unique vacuum chamber. And it was, had one end open to the atmosphere. He devised a unique vacuum seal by directing a high-velocity airstream at the tip of the gun to maintain high-level vacuum. The necessary pumping action would be accomplished with a large Tesla turbine that he developed also. Tesla dreamed that his concepts would make war obsolete. He tried to go to the U.S. government with this, the Department of War. They weren't interested. He tried to go to the British. He tried to go to the French. He tried to go to the Germans. None of them were interested. Unfortunately, the Soviet Union was interested. And they wrote him a check for $25,000 and began work on his concepts in 1939. Now, you've got to remember, back then, Russia was supposedly our ally. This is right at the dawning years of World War II. Just before his death, in 1843, he issued a statement that he had indeed perfected his death beam. But right after his death, his nephew, Sava Kasanovich, went in his room and found that all of his papers had been rifled through, many important things were missing, and a black notebook was missing that had hundreds of pages that Tesla kept, including a lot of pages that were marked government. The FBI came in, our wonderful FBI, and they said that uh, the government was vitally interested in preserving Tesla's papers. Yeah, real good. Now that the guy's dead, you know, they wouldn't pay attention to him when he was alive. Two days after Tesla's death, representatives of the Office of Alien Property went to his room at the New Yorker Hotel and seized all of his possessions. See, Tesla never became a U.S. citizen, so he was considered a resident alien. Most of his remaining papers eventually made their way to Belgrade, Yugoslavia, where a museum was created in Tesla's honor. And because at that time they had the communist Tito regime there, all access from Western scientists, Western analysts, was shut off. But of course the Soviets could look at anything they wanted. And that brings us up to date, or more or less. Now we're in our modern era, and as early as 1960, Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev referred to his nation's forthcoming scalar weapons. He addressed the Presidium, and he said this, We have a new weapon, just within the portfolio of our scientists, so to speak, so powerful that if unrestrainedly used, it could wipe out all life on Earth. And now, in retrospect, we think that was probably a reference to the early beginnings of scalar weapons. Didn't take them long. The tip of the EM iceberg was that they used electromagnetic weapons against the U.S. Embassy. They bombarded the U.S. Embassy with microwave beams. And as a result, two U.S. ambassadors died of cancer. And many other people in the embassy were rendered ill and got lesser forms of cancer. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. These, the, the Russian uh, military was not shy about using these unconventional weapons. And all of them were a whole order of magnitude under these scalar weapons that we're talking about this evening. Now, realize, most of you know the Manhattan Project was this enormous effort that the U.S. government put into toward the end of World War II to develop the atomic bomb and beat Hitler to the punch. 
Well, when the Russians went to work on scalar technology, they invested the equivalent of seven Manhattan projects. So imagine how much progress they made. The first time we have any evidence that the Russians used scalar weapons militarily was in the incident of the USS Thresher. That was one of our nuclear submarines, and it went down very mysteriously on April 10, 1963. It was never found. The reason why we think this probably was scalar is because, mysteriously enough, one day later, near Puerto Rico, there was a mysterious underwater explosion. Now, the, the authorities checked with the seismologist. They checked with the geologist. There was no earthquakes. There were no underwater volcanoes. There was no explanation for this, this odd explosion. Soon after that, we began experiencing various downed aircraft. Uh, and then, finally... In April, May of 1985, now this is 20 years ago, they brought their entire power grid online. They had their entire scalar weapons defense system up and running 20 years ago. That's when things really started happening. In November, they, for the first time, they started tinkering with one of our space shuttles. In December of that year, they took down an Aero DC-8, which was a military aircraft. In September of 97, they took down several Titan 34D missiles. Now, these were several things. They were testing the ABM mode of scalar weapons. In other words, the ability to be an anti-ballistic missile weapon to take out missiles. But they were also doing another thing. They were kind of pinging or tweaking our intelligence services, our military, to see if the military would go, gee, that looks like scalar weapons to us. But they didn't. And there's no evidence that the military had any clue of what was going on back in this time frame. Then there's the whole issue of weather. Uh, this has already been mentioned by Stan and also by Tesla. The idea that you can use scalar waves to control weather. You'll notice that particular Doppler weather slide there. You see that kind of odd thing down at the bottom off the coast of South Carolina? Well, those, those odd finger-like things... According to people I've talked to that are in the uh, retired U.S. Uh, Air Force radar people, that is a sign of, of uh, scalar activity. They, they created the deep freeze of 1967, which was really pretty awful, and they began full-bore weather warfare on our country on July 4, 1976, our bicentennial, and it has not abated since then. Now here you'll see, these are just examples this is a map of the United States, uh, you know, Doppler radar map. You'll notice that thing that's over Wyoming. That's very obviously not a natural cloud phenomenon. It's, it's a perfect sphere. That is probably a Tesla globe. I have a friend who's an Air Force radar tech, and he tells me that when you see something like that and it's mostly hollow, it's almost certainly a, a scalar dome, a Tesla dome. Now look at this by way of contrast. Here is a similar thing over Puget Sound. But notice how that's almost entirely solid. What that is, is a sign of radar jamming. If you see a totally solid thing like that, that's radar being jammed. And it was probably being done by our own military, because there's a lot of military bases up in Puget Sound area. This is an example of a very unusual cloud formation hovering over eastern California. Notice how it looks perfectly straight. In fact, it has a perfect hexagonal angle there pointing out up around Northern California. Look at that. That's not natural. And what you need to understand is that with these scalar devices, they can steer clouds around the way you can steer your family car. 
moving entire cloud masses. Now, this is, this is exceptionally interesting because this particular uh, slide, um, there should be a thing coming up of a burst over Alberta and uh, of, of a similar kind of Tesla globe. And what you're seeing there is, is actually the detonation of a Tesla globe that's bigger than the province of Alberta. And what I want you to understand is that in the process of, of compiling all of this, you know, there are also slides that show a very similar kind of globe materializing over Littleton, Colorado, the day of the Columbine shooting, and another globe materializing over Jonesboro when that particular place was experiencing the high school shooting. In addition to causing freakish tornadoes, the like of which have seldom been seen, the Russians also have been tampering with our oceans. Really serious weather problems can be caused by heating and cooling the oceans to create El Nino effects and other similar weather engines. So in other words, they can create an artificial El Nino. And these, we know the problems. We've all heard it on the news. You have droughts, you have forest fires, you have deaths due to heat waves, flooding, and other fringe benefits. By fringe benefits, I mean all of this stuff uh, increases the people's reason to think, oh, maybe global warming is real. Oh, gee, maybe we ought to sign the Kyoto Treaty. Maybe all of the tree huggers are really right, you know, when actually it probably is more likely the Russians fooling around with our weather. Now, I mentioned something earlier about the, the school shootings at Columbine and elsewhere. It's important to realize that, that if you are a student, as I was, of, of psychology, I used to be a licensed master's social worker, you know that if a person has a mental disorder, if they're depressed, if they're, you know, behavior disordered or whatever the case might be, and all of a sudden there's a very sudden drop or rise in barometric, barometric pressure, you know what that does? That pushes the person over the edge. It can very easily make them snap. And so what the Russians, I believe, have been doing is they have been dropping these globes over these cities and they're assuming that somebody there in that city is going to be, you know, a few fries short of a Happy Meal, and they're going to go out and they're going to do something violent. Now, I'm not saying this is the only reason for, like, post office shootings, school shootings, etc. There's many reasons for them. Uh, I believe part of it is the fact that we're, we have all this violence in our media, violent video games, lack of good parenting, uh, and also, of course, the fact that, that most of the kids that are involved in these shootings and most of the adults, for that matter, are on powerful psychotropic drugs like Prozac. And, and that's kind of the, the worst-kept secret about all of this. So all this stuff is used to advance the control of the gun control lobby, the drug lords, and I don't mean the ones in Columbia, folks. I mean Eli Lilly, I mean Pfizer, I mean Merck, uh, and of course the psychiatric lobby. And then, of course, there's also our wonderful president and his program to have no child left undrugged. Then, of course, there's the earthquake threat. We've already heard from Defense Secretary Cohen that electromagnetic induction of earthquakes is now recognized. And on the left side of your screen, you see there a graphic from a magazine from like many years ago showing Tesla sitting there and the earth blowing apart in two like an apple being split in two. You know that statement I used back at the beginning of the, of the meeting. Something definitely is going on in the earthquake department. Seismologists have noted that the frequency of earthquakes is going up faster and faster and faster. Uh, when I was out in California, someone told me they had five earthquakes out there just in the last couple of days. 
In the early 1900s, the normal rate of, rate of large earthquakes was two or three a year. Well, to this time, like for example in 2000, in one week, they had 20 major earthquakes. We all know about the tsunami that happened earlier. And, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff is going to happen more and more, partly, I think, because people are tampering with this. You can create an earthquake with scalar energy. You just have to be patient. You just gradually send scalar beams into somewhere where you know that there is, in fact, a, a fault line. The energy builds up. The tectonic plates gradually slip. And then all of a sudden, there's this catastrophic slip. And you have a huge destructive earthquake. And let's say you live in a part of the country where there aren't many earthquakes. There's no fault lines. Well, that doesn't matter. You can use scalar technology even to create a flat plate earthquake. So you can't run, you can't hide, folks. Probably the most obvious example of using scalar energy in this fashion was the Yugoslav earthquake of 4.15.79. Now, why we think this was scalar is the earthquake was immediately followed by a cold explosion. And that's going to be very significant, as we'll see in a few minutes. This had a magnitude of 7.2 on the Richter scale, which is a pretty powerful earthquake. It had an epicenter of 33 kilometers deep and more than 100 aftershocks. The other significant thing is that it happened in April. And somebody asked, well, what's important about April? I said, well, it's income tax day. But that's not really the reason. The reason is, is that in the old days of the Soviet Empire, they would have a huge meeting of the Supreme Soviet in very early May, every year it was like their, their big holiday. And so they'd usually if they were going to do something big, they'd do it right in April because that way they could have something to kind of brag and beat their chests about at their big meeting. Then, of course, there's scalar waves and supervolcanoes. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard about the fact that we have our very own supervolcano in Yellowstone. And um, essentially what you're seeing there on the screen is Yellowstone Falls and a beautiful place, and that's part of what's called the Yellowstone Caldera in geology. Uh, and there's been many things on the media, Discovery Channel, whatever, about how there's this enormous magma dome underneath Yellowstone, which supposedly is overdue right now for an eruption. And if it is, it would be like five or ten times worse than Mount St. Helens, minimum. And I had a fellow come up to me at one of the meetings who is a Christian who's a geologist, and he said, what I'm about to share with you is absolutely true. The geologists know about this. That's why it's going out in the media. Uh, the problem is, is that this caldera in Yellowstone has been targeted already, we are told, by scalar weapons. So they've got it in their crosshairs, so to speak. And what does that mean? Well, what that means is, if you're familiar with a supervolcano, if this thing erupts, first of all, it's going to probably take out most of Wyoming just in the first few seconds probably part of Utah, part of Idaho, part of Montana. The next thing that's going to happen is, because, again, we're talking about maybe six, seven volcanoes erupting virtually very much close to each other in time. There's going to be huge amounts, tons and tons of ash being sent up into the atmosphere. And because the prevailing winds tend to blow from west to east, it's going to go out over the Great Plains states and essentially... If you're in the Great Plains states like Nebraska or, you know, uh, even Iowa, you're going to get like 5 to 10 feet of ash dumped on you. And, and I tell you, I had a colleague uh, in the ministry, Ed Decker, who lived out in Seattle when Mount St. Helens erupted. And he was driving over the um, Lake Washington Bridge. And he said that stuff was coming down. It was like the worst blizzard you'd ever seen. 
You couldn't hardly see anything. I'm going to interrupt right there, but I'm going to encourage you to go to watchprophecyclub.com. You can watch the first 30 minutes of this DVD for free at watchprophecyclub.com. And if you like it, of course, I recommend you do. Then you get signed up $20 a month or $200 a year, and you can watch all $6,000 worth of recorders, some 300 different DVDs. Amazing. Many of them. Many of them are still far above their time, far ahead of their time. So go check it out. Watchprophecyclub.com. You want to look up Russia's secret weapon to defeat America. Russia's Secret Weapon to Defeat America by Bill Sneblin. S-C-H-N-O-E-B-E-L-E-N. Bill Sneblin, Russia's Secret Weapon to Defeat America at WatchProphecyClub.com. Order the DVD at ProphecyClub.com. Here's the best deal we've ever offered at the Prophecy Club. Five Hell Pre-Trib 1, five Tribulation Secrets in Daniel, five God's Warning to America, five Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and ten Miss the Mark, 40 books, gift of $100, prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. Imagine a friend emailing you all excited, telling you that they are at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade and people are being turned away by fire marshal orders because so many people are coming from miles around. People hungry to receive the Lord, arriving saying, God told them the address in a dream. Another just impressed to drive to this spot. Revival has arrived. Would you desire to be at this kind of meeting? Then go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and get signed up to be there. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, March 27 to 30. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. 